1: It's time to play like a Jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a Jet, what does that mean? Here they come on third and five, Wilson. Boy, somehow escapes, he's going to run for it. Plenty of green grass. Wilson stays in bounds, he's still going. And he's in, touchdown. Zach Wilson pulling a magic trick. Now the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore, the 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown. Two is Barry. That was sauce. goal. Swarmed, swallowed, and sacked. Guess who? You only got one guess. Jermaine Johnson. Here's Brees Hall. Looking for history. Hall with his 24th straight
0: game of a rushing touchdown. Into the NCAA record books. Listen.
2: From the playlikeajet.com digital studio This is Play Like a Jet, my name is Scott Mason You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1 And it's an off day at New York Jets training camp So we're going to answer some mailbag questions With our friend who's the co-founder over at U-Stadium Mr. Nick Spano Nick, what's up brother?
3: What's going on Scott, how are we doing?
2: Doing pretty well Nick Because the good news has come down about Joe Klecko. He is a finalist now on the veterans ballot so there's three guys that are now going to get consideration for 2023 it's possible that joe klecko and darrell revis could go into the hall of fame the same year which means going to be some road trips for jets fans if that happens no question about it this is long overdue for joe klecko two-time first team all pro a second team all pro four-time pro bowler and he did it At three different positions, played all five at different points. And Nick, you and I were talking about this before we started recording. The thing that's remarkable about Klecko is... He dominated all these different positions While he was hurt constantly Even if he was playing, the guy Was hurt. He was never not hurt If you talk to his teammates, they'll all tell you That. I thought there were some pretty Good endorsements for Joe Klecko from some really important people Who he played against. Dwight Stevenson, who's a Hall of Fame center, called Klecko a great defensive Lineman, one of the best interior defensive Linemen he ever faced. Anthony Munoz, arguably the greatest left Tackle to ever play the game, said this about Joe Klecko in my 13 seasons Joe is right there at the top of the defensive ends I had to block right up there with Fred Dean Leroy Selman and Bruce Smith Joe was the strongest guy I ever faced Had perfect technique, hands in tight Great leverage, my second year 1981, we went to Shea, beat the Jets 31-30, but he was such An intense, smart player, I knew I was In for a battle, he was the leader, the guy Who kept that unit together Joe DeLama Lair, who was a Hall of Fame guard Said this about Klecko, you can't Think of the 10 year period he played Without him, I had to block Joe Green And Merlin Olsen when I was playing, and believe Me, Joe Klecko was equal to those Two guys, if Klecko had played one position for ten years instead of playing all the positions, he'd have been considered one of the top two or three players at that position, whichever one it was. There's not another player who went to the Pro Bowl at three different positions. You take a defensive end and put him at nose tackle, and he's just as good there. That means he's a great player. Joe Klecko deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. So well said there by Joe and Anthony Munoz and Dwight Stevenson, I couldn't agree more, dominant in three different positions, could kill you from the inside, kill you from the outside, and as we were talking about before we started recording, Nick, even though it wasn't an official stat yet in 1981, Joe Klecko and Mark Gastineau absolutely crushed quarterbacks, straight up dominated Klecko had 20 and a half sacks that year in 1981 In an era where teams didn't really throw the ball Right now the NFL is a passing league We all know that But back then it was a lot of running and grounding and pounding And so to get that many sacks back then is just incredible 78 career sacks again Going back and forth between the inside and the outside So I'm glad that Klecko advanced to the final three And I really hope that he makes it He certainly deserves it and Jets fans could have a real fun time next August if Joe Klecko and Darrell Rivas go in together.
3: Yeah, and you might might see them in the uh, Hall of Fame game. So, um, you know, not that, it, not that any of us want to see any more preseason games after what we went through last week and the, the Zach Wilson situation. But, um, you know, it's kind of fun to be... Selected as a you know team in that in that game you know it's kind of a you get you get the week to just kind of think about that you know first first team on the field for the summer which is fun so um, that would that would be great I mean yeah the 1981 season that Klecko had obviously before my time but um, was probably the best defensive season any Jet has had um, you could obviously talk about the 09 Darrell Rivas season too now that we're on the same topic but two different positions obviously and they. One was had a, such a quietly good season because you just wouldn't hear about him because he was just locking down a receiver. And the other one, a defensive player of the year, uh, first team All Pro, Pro Bowler, NFL you know, the sack leader that season. Um, again, like what you mentioned, like the where sacks weren't as uh, frequent as as they are now. So it was just a a monster season for Klecko. And And like you said, if if he did play one position. And he, let's say he played in the current, cause you know, I think he, he ended up with about 80 sacks, right. I think in his career and, you know, it's a great, it's a really good career. Um, it's not a number that's going to wow you like, you know, the Bruce Smiths and whatnot, but he was, he was playing different positions and doing different things and, and he dominated wherever he played. So, um, you know, it's funny cause he was almost a modern day player in the old time, not too old, but you know, more, uh, you know, older times in the early eighties. Um, you know, now it's so much about like positional flexibility and doing different things within different schemes. And back then it wasn't as frequent as it is now. Um, so it'd be interesting to see him playing in in the modern day football we see today. And, you know, he might be a 25 sack guy and, you know, maybe broke, broken a a single season sack record. So, um, yeah, a lot of the times I like to listen to the people who, like you mentioned, the guys who went against him, the Munozes and, Um, You know, the writers who were around then, and I take their word for it a lot more because I just see it. And anybody you talk to says, this guy should have been in the Hall of Fame a long time ago. So it's definitely overdue. And he's a great, you know, great ambassador for the Jets. And he's been around the team for a while. So I'm, I'm definitely happy for Joe.
2: Like you said, Nick, Joe Klecko would have been a dream for a guy like Bill Belichick (laughs) with his positional flexibility. By the way, in 1981, Joe Klecko and Mark Gastineau combined for Mm -hmm. over 40 sacks for the two of them. That's why people that watched the sack exchange still remember them so fondly. And if you're a hardcore Jet fan, it means a lot to you to see Joe Klecko get into the Hall of Fame. Nick, with that though, let's answer some questions about some guys that are still playing for the Jets as we wait to see if Joe Klecko and Darrell Rivas wind up in the Hall of Fame in 2023. And we will start with Joe Piacente. He says, I haven't heard anything about LaMarcus Joyner, why is he flying under the radar so much? Well, Nick, I know he's missed the last couple of practices. He hasn't really stood out in terms of making splashy plays, so that's probably it. You know how it goes when it comes to training camp. Usually, you're only going to hear about guys that are making splash plays. Everybody else just kind of blends in.
3: Yeah, exactly. he's you know, He missed a few practices, as you mentioned, with an illness and um he didn't play the first preseason game and he's still coming back from the injury that kept him out all of last year. And, um, you know, he's a veteran and, and, you know, you don't want to overdo it with guys that are rehabbing and he plays a position where, you know, you're not really too focused on what LaMarcus Joyner is doing. And, um, but you know, they, they like him a lot. Sala likes him a lot. So I'm sure he's, he's in there in their plans and, um, you know given given way to some some reps for jason pinnock who they they liked his development too so it's kind of a veteran thing a rehab thing and also a kind of a, a, an illness that knocked him out for a few days wrapped up all in one so i'm not surprised not to hear too too much about him but i'm sure they'll try and get him some preseason reps in one of these games coming up
1: Play like a jet Play like a
2: jet Next question comes in from John Jetson. he actually has a series of questions First one is If Zach Wilson needed to miss extended time Which we know now that he doesn't Would you rather see Joe Flacco as the starter Or should Mike White get an extended look Second question is What's your level of concern with the linebacker depth chart Behind C.J. Mosley and Quan Alexander And the third question is Who will be the week one kicker Joe Flacco should be the starting quarterback If Zach Wilson isn't playing I know everybody loves that Mike White game from last year But the reality is Joe Flacco is just a better quarterback We've seen it throughout training camp All due respect to Mike White, there's a reason why he is where he is. Flacco gives him a better chance to win games. He gives him a better chance to let the young players develop around him. You need a quarterback that can actually get them the ball. Flacco is the guy that should play if Zach Wilson were to miss any extended time, which knock on wood, hopefully he doesn't have to at any point. Second part of this question, the linebacker depth, yeah, it's not great. Quincy Williams is shaky. We've talked about this a thousand times. Hamza Dean, Jamie and Sherwood. I don't really love either one of them. So you've got two inside linebackers with any kind of experience and track record. But you've also got two guys there that have history of injuries. CJ Mosley, remember he had the injury and then he opted out. So he missed two years. Quan Alexander has been banged up quite a bit. So there's question marks there in terms of durability beyond those guys. It's definitely something to be nervous about. And the week one kicker, I'm just going to guess Zerline because I think he's got a bigger leg. And all things equal, they'll lean on him. But it could be Panero. It's really a battle of two guys that are just not all that great.
3: Yeah, I agree with you, Scott, on the on the Flocko part. I think he's the perfect guy if you ask him to start one, two, or three games. Um, you know, he'll he'll get the ball into the receivers' hands. He'll allow these young guys to make plays. He'll um, you know he'll he'll let the uh, offensive line gel because you do have four new starters really at at four different positions. Um, you know where he'll he'll help out being able to see different protections and call out different protections where Zach may have struggled early in the year versus some tough teams. So um, I think I think Flacco is the perfect fit for for that. Anything longer, I don't think anybody wants to see Joe Flacco for four, five, six. You know, God forbid it's eight games. But I think we're pretty comfortable now that. Zach is only going to miss a handful of the early games, one or two weeks, maybe three max. Um, anything longer than that, I would have probably probably looked into the Jimmy G situation, just because I think he's a better quarterback right now than than Flacco is. But you know, between that cap situation and having to have him come over here where he hasn't been all summer, would have been asking a little bit too much with only you know three plus weeks until uh, week one. Um, second question, yeah, similar to like. The the Ashton Davis thing, right? It's like these guys just aren't any good. Um, Quincy Williams is what he is. I mean, that boneheaded play was pretty much sums up Quincy Williams in a nutshell, right? It's like you love the aggression and you love the the hard hits, but man, you love how dumb he is. You know, you hate how dumb he is sometimes. Missing assignments, um, (laughs) hitting a quarterback outside of in the preseason late in the head. Um, and I guess that's probably why Sala hates that those uh, new helmets that they're wearing those protections, because, you know, it's allowing some of these guys, you're teaching them some bad habits. They feel a little bit more free to lead with the hell in their head where, you know, in the past they've been trying to teach them, you know, the correct form and tackling and stuff. And you kind of saw it on that Quincy Williams hit. Um, then you have a fifth round pick and Sherwood coming on off off an injury. Um I a sixth round pick also, uh, you know, changing positions just like Sherwood too. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if maybe they look for some linebacker help on the cut down days, maybe someone shakes free and they bring them in. But um, yeah, I, w- I would be worried outside of that. And, and on the kicker side, I would probably lean towards Zerline because he's, um, you know, I'm more about the pressure situation kicks. If you're in a season where you're trying to win football games now, which the Jets are, um I would lean towards a veteran where in the past I would say, well let's maybe we can find our kicker of the future and a guy who um, hasn't had the shot. But um, I would I would lean towards uh line at this point. Next
2: question comes in from Drew Nestico. He says, Are we really supposed to get excited and put stock into the performances of guys playing in the second half of preseason games? Clements had seven pressures against third stringers, Zuniga, Smart, Cager. All against guys that won't be playing come September. What's the right way to measure this? Well, there were some guys that Clemens was beating that might be playing come September. I mean, they might not be starting, but they might be rotating in and out. I think what you really want to look at is which guys have been doing well in training camp and then which guys have been doing well in the preseason and combine them together. So if they're doing well in training camp and the preseason, you know that it's for real. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be a superstar, but it means that they're actually putting stuff on tape that's impressive. Clemens is an example. We've heard that he's been playing very, very well at training camp and had seven pressures in that game against the Philadelphia Eagles. Zuniga also been pretty good in training camp, so it's nice to see him do it in the preseason as well. Cager, I don't know that he's going to make the team Because there's a bit of a log jam there at tight end But it is nice to see that he's done Fairly well training camp and done Pretty well in the preseason, same thing with Smart, so I think it's good that all These guys have performed in camp and Performed in the preseason, it doesn't necessarily Mean that they're going to go to the Pro Bowl or Anything like that, but it does mean that maybe They're viable roster caliber players
3: Yeah, for sure, and I, and I would look At each one of these guys uh, In their own case, you know, it's not just like four guys who all played well in the preseason game one and are they flukes? I think with a guy like Clemens, I think you see the potential and the reason, you know, he, he was a, and and many people said it, he was a top, you know, day, a day two pick, um, you know, with, without the off the field issue that he went through. So you see the flash of like potential with him and, um, just how serious and like determined he is. and, And you see it out there on the field. I mean, he, he was aggressive He's tough. He's intimidating, and um, you saw it really in the uh, in the snaps that he he took Week One. I think Zaniga and you know Cager are guys where they're probably just practice squad players. I wouldn't put too much stock into them having you know a great game. We've seen Zaniga a few years now, and he just isn't all impressive. Cager, a little bit of a different situation because he's made the transition into a tight end, and he's a athletic tight end for sure. You love the size, the speed um you know can he hold up and block who knows we'll see and, and the Jets have a pretty you know a log jam at tight end like you mentioned um three guys plus a Kenny Yoboa who the Jets like special teams as well so it's going to be tough for him to actually crack the roster but maybe they'd be able to sneak him onto the practice squad I'm not sure if Zanega can go on the practice squad I don't know if he's got uh any of that ability left to do that actually same with Kadra I'd have to look look into that um, and then Smart is a guy is interesting to me too because he flashes some athleticism and, and in, in, on the inside the Jets don't have as much depth as they do on the edge. So he's a guy who may, maybe, again, maybe a practice squad potential, but he could sneak onto the roster really as like that last spot. Um, I thought he was pretty good on, on week one. So I, w- I would look at them all separately. I think Clemens is the real deal. I think this guy is going to be a good player. I don't know how good. Um, but I think he's a, he's, he's a legit prospect a lot.
2: Next question comes in from T Diddy Jammer. It's a series of questions. He says, why the hell couldn't the jets run against the Eagles? Is it because the starting tackles weren't playing? The defense is terrible at defending screens, but even worse, the defensive ends cannot maintain the edge and keep contained. Is it coaching slash scheme, or is it talent? This doesn't seem to be complicated. Yes, the fact that they had two guys out there starting a tackle that shouldn't be starting a tackle went a long way towards Brees Hall Michael Carter not being able to run the ball. I think it's going to be a different story once the offensive line is healthy. Obviously, it would have been even better if Makai Becton was healthy, but Dwayne Brown coming in here at least gives you somebody serviceable. As far as the screens, we saw that last year. They weren't able to defend the screens. It was really bad. And the first game against the Eagles doesn't make you have optimism. However, it was just a preseason game. They're trying to work out the kinks. Hopefully, by the time the regular season starts, they're better at defending the screens, or at least as the season progresses, they find a way to do that. It could be a shortcoming of the scheme. I know that Luke Grant has talked about that a little bit as well. So I think it's a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B when you talk
3: about that. Yeah, I agree, and I would, I would kind of, I'm not. Really going to like analyze the first preseason game and why they couldn't run the ball. I think the tackle situation had a lot to do with it. I think it's just kind of getting these guys out there for the first time in eight months on the football field and hitting somebody else. So I'm not I'm not going to really be worried about that. But the second part, um, there's a track record, right? And in, in the scheme that they play, they're vulnerable to you know the screen game and, and um, you know a little bit of over pursuing and <clears throat> you know that wide nine. Uh, defense that Sala and them like to run. So I'm worried about that for sure. Um, We'll see now that they have, again, some more athleticism on the edge, some more athleticism now at linebacker with Quan Alexander. Um, At least he's an NFL caliber player, uh, where last year they had guys, again, Quincy Williams, who had no idea what he was doing out there. Um, So, you know, if Mosley and Alexander were out there week four and the defense looked like that, I'd be a little bit more worried. But um, I'm not going to lie and say no, they're fine there. Um, it's going to be something that I think that's going to be a Achilles' heel for the Jets um, is is you know the ability to get beat against the run, and also you know when you really you know stretch them out or you run some screen plays, um, it's going to be something that they're going to have to. I don't know if it's a talent thing where they're going to need to upgrade that in years you know years ahead, or if it's a kind of a scheme tweak that they're going to need to make. But I, I'm I'm worried about that. But as for the rushing offense, I'm just. It just doesn't doesn't worry me yet.
2: That's going to wrap up the mailbag. Visit playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel to check out everything we're doing over there. The Thunder from down under Luke Grant has got some great All-22 breakdowns of all the Jets draft picks. Watch all the videos and subscribe to our channel if you haven't already. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's t-e-e-public.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers Quinn and Williams Bless You Thank You shirt, the Zach Says Go Long shirt, the Zach the Ripper shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies. It's all there, tpublic.com.
1: Chumba, ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. word Over- prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.